What's up, guys? Welcome to Brusco Talk Shop with Mitchie Brusco. Today's guest, we have John Perel, who is a entrepreneur, a family man, a husband, a father of two sets of twins, an amazing pilot in uh, all sorts of helicopters, grew up flying airplanes. Uh, he has done some pretty cool projects with myself, with Bob Burnquist. If you look up Bob Burnquist's Dreamland Helicopter Sessions, you can see what this man is really capable of. In this podcast, we catch up on some of our experiences we've shared together uh, as far as he, him being a pilot and uh, dropping us off skydiving, us skydiving together. And then also we, we fill in some blanks because we've seen each other's work for a couple of years now and never really had the time to really catch up and get to know each other very well. So I'm thankful that he came over, gave me that chance to get to, to know his life a bit and fill in some pieces. John is a great dude and I, I'm happy to have shared the, the hour and 45 minutes that I did with him. Enjoy. Astronauts report it feels good. T minus 25 seconds. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. One, two, one, two, one, two. Hello. There we go. Sweet. Man. Yeah, you come back from Mexico. And what do you see? Pandemic. Panic. People freaking out. Like, uh... I, uh, I went in and out of LAX. Yeah. So, uh, showed up over in LAX uh, to take off and it was empty did you, I mean, you did you take a regular yeah normal commercial flight yeah, okay. i didn't fly myself i i uh i wish i had yeah <laughs> probably be easier a little bit safer absolutely no it was um we had a, a group of 14 people so you know well, I, what was the occasion wife's birthday uh, oh wow yeah. going uh, going in man <laughs> doing it so. reminds me of my sister's birthdays oh did you yeah <laughs> i mean I, I for my birthday's coming up i forget it happens like <laughs> I don't even know what I did for my birthday. Still, I think I got I think I got dinner with the same friends I usually do. Yeah, I do the same. Thing. <laughs> it's like, like yeah. man, it's basically the same thing with less anxiety. Yeah, that's like a, that's like a, a birthday. It's like a free day. I I prefer not to to celebrate. That's just uh, no reason to create the stress. too much stress. It makes yeah. it worse. Uh. <laughs> uh, it makes it worse. So every time, uh -huh. um, yeah, you come back into into LAX. I haven't been. In public much the last couple of i mean i go i go skate i go fly in the tunnel and i've been working a lot on computer stuff a lot of podcasting a lot of uh you know just just figuring out my my stuff over here yeah um and then i hear all these noises like there's no toilet paper in the united on the continent <laughs> Yeah. And there's no like you can't sit in at restaurants anymore. I, no, all I, the all the seats are put away. It's yeah. I, I mean, I, I literally I, I arrived. I was like, what happened? I mean, it, it it's it's weird, you know, to be gone for a week and to see the entire culture change. But you live day to day like exactly the same. Like yeah. I, I don't see any signs around me that things are falling apart. Besides everything <laughs> falling apart, it. <laughs> Dude, as long as we don't have a major earthquake or something, I think we're all gonna be all right. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. I mean, that right now that seems, uh, it just seems like the the what what worries me the most is people being dangerous themselves. Yep. The looting or the 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 fear, you know, making people just forget that we are a society, forget that we are working together. More than everybody getting sick and dying, yeah. I'm 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 more worried that people are just like lock your doors. White's red panic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, 
So you you said you you wish you flew. Can you can you fly out of LAX and into LAX or is that? Oh yeah. S- yeah. Yeah. No problem. Is that like? Uh, I mean, air traffic starts to. That's a different ball game though. No, it, it's a Bravo airspace. Um, what does that mean? So we have different types of airspace, um, and Bravo is going to be your most busy. It's, that's the easiest way to remember it. And Bravo equals busy. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, so most of our major airports are like that. Uh, Palomar is a is a delta, uh, so it's less restrictive, and it's just the way that you communicate going in and out. But yeah, I fly in there all the time with helicopters, jets, whatever. Do you need to land at uh, like at first when you first start flying, whether it's a helicopter or plane? You gotta start with the lighter airports, or or can you just take off from Palomar and be like on to LAX? Yeah, you definitely can. Um, oh. I, it, I mean, it's not suggested unless you have an instructor or something like that. But yeah, uh, I had a lot of friends uh, growing up in Hawaii that would uh, fly over uh, Honolulu. You know, so that's their major airport yeah. over there, and and that's where they'd learn to fly. So, yeah, I mean, you can start anywhere. It's- that's amazing. I, I remember uh, being in a helicopter with you and just hearing. <laughs> And you're like, okay, all right, we got to descend a little bit to, for like five minutes at, at you know, 4,000 feet to let this plane go through. And I'm like, how do you get the, like, how do you get that information? Like, I hear nothing. I hear just <laughs> static and someone like with a, with a broken microphone on the other side. <laughs> um, it could have been the way that I had your headset or anything else tuned, but it is a different language. Dude. Uh, um, aviation is... I mean, with the weather, communications, airspace, all that, it is like learning a different language. That's uh, uh, you get used to it. Once you know what you're looking for, does it is it, it just become second nature after you've done it enough? Absolutely. I, I mean, I would compare it to skating. You know, somebody trying to learn a trick or, yeah. or do something like, you know, they, you, you, you just keep building on all the little things. You know, we you start with a ollie and then build from there if you don't have that ollie there's no way you can do anything else do you ever find that um the the rules and the the regulations and the airspace and the traffic uh distracting from from actually flying um i haven't run into that issue yeah. uh, it, it can be um uh, hopefully you are competent enough to be able to fly the aircraft and you yeah. know chew gum and, and talk and walk at the same time yeah but uh yeah, I, I know that a lot of people will avoid certain airspace because they don't want to deal with the, the conversation, you know, or don't know how to deal with it. Um, Especially, I mean, and it's stuff that if you if you mess up, if you are are in the let's say you get a, an order uh, to descend or or ascend or to move around, um, and you either ignore it or you don't catch it or you land out of order, like. Are there pretty heavy re- FAA repercussions when you actually do land? There can be, absolutely. Um, it, it's one of those that um, you never know if it's going to be... Uh, yeah, I'm back on. Um, you never know what, what the consequences necessarily are, are going to be. So, for instance, I, I went up to uh, Big Bear. I wanted to go heli skiing. <laughs> what it, so is that where you land at the top? And then you drop off some passengers and then they go skiing? Well, or, so or, my idea with, with it was maybe land on the backside of Big Bear. <laughs> yes. And we'd, you know, just below the ridge, walk up, ride down, and then we could use a lift. And then once we were done for the day, we just rode down the backside. 
and uh, then and then catch and then go home. Yeah. yeah. Oh, why and wouldn't you do that? That's what I was. I'm like, dude, why use an airport? I got a helicopter. It's a good but, point. Uh, <laughs> it was very frowned upon. Uh, Big Bear freaked out, and it, you know they wanted to call the sheriff. At what point did they freak out? Um, we the ski patrol. When you landed. land, yeah, on the backside. <laughs> so you didn't There's, clear it with anyone. No, no, okay. and, and I mean, is it, that's the funny thing about FA, uh, you know, our rules. So if if we wanted to, I mean, literally, I could land in a cul-de-sac. You talk to everybody in the neighborhood. You say, "Hey, is this cool?" Normally, we would get a written permission or something like that. And as long as it's not disruptive to a person or property, it's legal. Okay. You get somebody that complains, then it's an issue. Yeah, then it's uh, now severely illegal. It's like this, <laughs> this small line yep. that is like if if these guys are cool like we can throw this house party <laughs> but if we're not there's going to be a lot of problems yeah and so it's funny um aviation's still kind of old school i mean it's self-reporting that um so in that instance you know they, they're like oh we're going to call a sheriff we're going to do this um we have a thing you know nasa like outer space it's called the nasa report and so if you self self-report and you say what happened and everything else then it gives you amnesty you, you get a, a free pass so if it came to fruition, if somebody was actually upset about it and they filed something with the FAA, it, I could say, hey, check on my NASA report. And they'd be like, oh, okay. Man, so. that's that's insane. I mean, and that's why uh, once, you're, once you get used to the world, that's why it seems like always kind of this weird question. Of, eh, yeah, let's go for it. Let's like, like you know, it's... <laughs> It's never as straightforward as you assume, like the rules or regulations. Did you end up landing and then having a free day snowboarding? Did your plan work? No, the plan did not work. So yeah. you, you had to, you <laughs> had bailed. to bail. Yeah. Um, what'd you do then? Um, we actually found another peak that was off the grid and, and got a couple of runs in. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known. I'm not going to give up. That's, you know, just figuring out what makes the most sense. <laughs> I wanted to ride. I don't want to fly. <laughs> I wanted to do both. <laughs> Um, so did you grow up, uh, around, around here or? No. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Um, so I was born and raised in Hawaii, uh, okay. on Oahu. Um, and basically at a very young age, moved back to LA County, Ventura County, uh, grew up in Camarillo, went to Camarillo high mm. school and went to Pepperdine university up in Malibu. Um, and so I've, yeah, been around Southern California. You've been on this side of the United States, you know, West indefinitely. Coast. Yep. West Coast and beyond. <laughs> For sure. Uh, about as west as we get, right? So um, what do you, uh, so you, you come out of Pepperdine, yeah. right? And uh, at, at what point does does the aviation start to bleed into your life? Um, that's a funny question. Uh, so I, I started early. I actually I first learned to fly before I could drive a car. Uh, you were flying what? Little Cessnas. Right? You were flying Cessnas at uh, 15? Yep. Yeah. 14 and a half, 15. And, so, it's, uh, so I assume it's in your family. Yeah. So your dad's a pilot. My father is a pilot. My mother's a pilot. I, actually, there was a time where they went out and they bought <laughs> like a 1950s straight tail Cessna for like 20 grand. <laughs> the thing was... I mean, like any other hoopty out there, you know. It was it, beat up. It was beat. <laughs> mom, mom bought a lemon. <laughs> so the, it was basically for the whole family to kind of learn to fly and, and to get our license and to, to do it. And right as I was going to take my, my check ride, the airplane died. Like it wouldn't pass its compression test. The engine was toast. Yeah. And uh, and so I, it, it took a little bit longer to do it. But 
Um, yeah, sorry, was, you had to wait till you were 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was one of those that, you know, still very fortunate, but I, uh, I, airplanes just didn't do it for me. It, it wasn't anything I was really excited about. It was good to be introduced to it, as I said. Well, I'm sure it was captivating at 14, at 10 years old, when you're riding passenger with your dad, when you're seeing Oahu from a, from a view that your friends don't get to and it opens your your eyes up to that Absolutely. to that world yeah. i mean it's something that you can't really explain to, to anyone you you have to take them for a ride yeah. um so i'm sure that was great at that time but you you get your license you're flying in like so where does anyone in your family fly helicopters as well no okay yeah. so that's a that's an interesting step to take very because helicopters or or where where an airplane is like you just you just throw it and go it and it's flying True. you know up down left right like it's I think it's a lot more intuitive especially on those small planes and you've been doing it for so long airplanes want to fly Air, airplanes <laughs> want to fly yes yeah. that's a good and then yeah flying a helicopter is like basically keeping a rock in the air while solving your Rubik's cube <laughs> it is it's it's balancing it's balancing act constantly um, the hardest thing to do in a helicopter is to hover and to not move um you know when, when you're in the, that situation and um the winds you know quartering you or, or just in a different situation uh going nowhere can be the most difficult thing to do and sometimes it's the most important thing <laughs> to do absolutely i mean I, I think something that comes to mind landing yep landing yeah. definitely comes to mind taking off in a tight space confined mm, yeah. yeah i mean yeah but then there's also you don't know. I mean, I know a little bit from skydiving. You don't know how much you're moving it, when you are. True. It, uh, being relative. I, I mean, we do have airspeed indicators and, and other stuff. Um, and then on some of our more precise stuff with GPS. But like uh, like I'm, I mean, er, early in the in the days where you have to look at your indicators like. Yeah. Like you think you're stopped and you're you're sliding or or you're turning or you don't and you don't know why and then you're moving forward and you try to adjust it and now you're sliding again and it's like the cuz the only reason I know that is cuz I've been in a helicopter with you standing on the on the skid trying to aim for for Bob's house or wherever we're jumping um and it's and it's different than <laughs> other helicopters I've been in yeah cuz you Know what you're doing. You tell us, hey, this is what our airspeed's going to be. I'm going to try to slow it down, but to, to aim properly, to get the, the angle right, to get the spot right, this is where we're going to start. Like the knowledge, the skill, it's it's there. And it's so comforting to be a jumper in that situation or even a passenger to, to know that, hey, this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> I, I feel the exact same way about you and Bob and everybody else. When you're dealing with talented people mm -hmm. it, it makes a world of difference and uh and it does it makes your life a lot easier yeah and when when we're when when you're standing on the edge with and you're you're lighting smoke and doing an interview <laughs> and doing all these things that have nothing to do but then like between you and me it's like hey you're the helicopter pilot and i'm about to jump like we're still in that world and all these things are going on but it's like you, Bob, uh, Italo, it's like we're, we're there. Yeah. It's, it's like so, it's so nice when everyone's on that, like that same level. It is. It's a rad experience. I love those situations. It's, that, that's what I really enjoy about the, you know, stunt flying or whatever stuff you want to call it. It's uh. the stunt flying. <laughs> I didn't know. 
I didn't know what I was getting into <laughs> when when I first took a ride with yeah. you. I yeah, I don't I don't know how to uh, prepare anybody for that. I <laughs> don't think you should. Like, uh, um, every. I've never met any other pilot or anyone that has experienced that kind of flying before. Um, I it it's I thought when we were doing it, I thought this was like oh, okay, helicopter pilots, like this is cool. Um, but I've found that seems to be a pretty rare skill to be able to fly a helicopter straight up, four hundred feet off the ground, stall it, facing the sky, and letting it swing around one eighty, and then picking it up with maximum power, like what feels like 20 feet off the ground and then go train flying dude it's crop dusters agricultural they do it all the time it's, yeah yeah it's a it's um it's a skill you know and, and it is a finesse thing it's all about power management but uh you know I, I i'm fortunate enough that i own my own aircraft and get to fly the way that i want and you know i don't necessarily have to make money doing it so i get a lot of time to play you yeah. get to you get to know your 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 craft your skill and your and your aircraft. That's it. Hone the craft, you know, getting getting that finesse, that touch, that feel for it. That, that connection, that, that power that you, you really feel the helicopter. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure on a level that most people never really understand, like the amount of people that are in it, the weight you're, the weight you're carrying, like you can start to feel the way that the, the, that it performs differently. Oh, it, like for instance, when you guys are jumping, um, I will literally anticipate the jump. You know, if I've got three of you guys on one side of the helicopter dropping off, or if I've got two on one side and, you know, one on the other filming, um, I, I really have to anticipate the, you guys letting go, you know, to keep the helicopter balanced, to, you know, make sure that we're able to get stuff on video when it comes to production, you know, it's always about getting the shot. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's tricky. I think our last jump that we did where you guys popped smoke and, you mm -hmm. know, had that whole thing. That was just amazing to, to, you know, see all of that come together to have you guys doing a little DNA spiral <laughs> carving around each other and the helicopter in between both of you for shots. It, it was, yeah, that's right. Joe I, Jennings was, <laughs> did a, did a great job. Joe is a very impressive guy. You know, I, I guess it, whenever it comes to them throwing something out of the sky where it isn't normally supposed to fly, he figures out how to do it and what to, to do with it. You know, they drop in living rooms the the production Cars. the production side of it was uh so impressive because you know i just like skydiving i got i got pretty good at flying i can fly a parachute and i'll jump out of you know whatever you throw you, you say you want to go up in the helicopter i'll go and we'll go do a skydive and i think bob is a little bit like that he has a better eye for production than i do i'm working <laughs> on it but joe has has a has a huge red camera yeah. like basically screwed in and duct taped to the top of his helmet he has a mouth guard because when his parachute opens he doesn't want his molars clapping and to get a concussion and like he has this plan with the with the smoke and when to light it and where he's gonna be so he can look up and get the helicopter between and i still haven't seen the footage oh you haven't i still oh, haven't seen the footage i didn't oh i <laughs> i'll share that it was Here, like yeah. it was like <laughs> one of my favorite memories i I swear I almost died on the way in. Like I, I don't. I, I've, I've done some terrain flying. I've done some small, 
No, I've never landed in a small landing area though. And and the the landing area was about the size of a living room. Yeah. And if you overshoot it, you're going into an uphill. And if you undershoot it, you're hitting a mega ramp. So it wasn't it wasn't like the the easiest jump. But getting done with that and then seeing you back on the ground was just like, ooh, take a breath. Like I I don't know if I would I don't know if I'm doing another jump at Bob's again. No, I I feel you on that. But dude, you called it. Like when we were standing on top of the mega ramp, you claimed you're like I'm mm-hmm. landing right there on the stickers. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna put yourself in a in that situation, yeah. you call your landing spot and you hit it. It's you true. know, there's a re- there you don't go if you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. As they say, you know, whatever you're staring at is what you're gonna hit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. You know, keep your eyes focused. It's much. <laughs> I mean, all flying, all flying is like that because. Because when you're when you're crop dusting, when you're flying just off the ground, you where where are you keeping your eyes on the horizon, or are you looking at little little things to go and and hit like little jibs? Yeah, um, it is definitely all about the nuances. Um, yeah. And anytime you're low and fast, um, for me, my biggest concern is oftentimes birds. Birds yeah. or power lines. Birds and power, power lines will kill you for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, but you just care about the birds. Well, no, what I'm suggesting is, is I, I don't, it, you know, here I, I guess I am a stunt pilot, but I, I don't consider myself a risk taker. Yes. You know, I'm, yes. I'm really all about the risk mitigation. Um, so Most I'm, fun, uh, least risk. Yeah. So, I mean, there <laughs> to have more fun, you're going to have some risk sometimes, but not never never extra risk for no reason yeah i try to find some sort of balance there yeah and uh you know so when i am in those lower situations or we're you know ripping through a canyon or something um it's a canyon i'm very familiar with that i i know exactly where the wires are if they're if i you know if there are wires i'm always going over towers or you know i'm not just flying blindly into it but it um I've never hit a wire. I have hit birds. Yeah. <laughs> birds are unpredictable. It's it, their fault. <laughs> well, when when you come up behind them and you're doing 150 or 160 miles an hour, it's hard for them to get out of the way sometimes. Yeah, what an unpredictable so. species. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've found that I actually start looking at different birds in different ways because, you know, a seagull might peel up where a hawk is going to dive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, Yeah. The 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 wild wildlife conference con, uh, saver over here. Um, so fourteen. This is where we this is where we started. Fourteen in uh in uh Camarillo actually. Yeah. Camarillo. Yeah, Ventura County. Okay, so yeah. you're flying. You're you're. When do you get the eye for a helicopter? Because that 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 amazes me that no one in your family took that step. Yeah. And now you're you're young. In in where did that journey begin for you? So I did the airplane thing for a little bit. It was kind of cool, but, you know, I was still finishing up school and, and wasn't, had no focus for, for aviation. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really, I wanted to move back, back over to Hawaii. I was thinking marine biology. I wanted to go, you know, swim with dolphins. Um, yeah. You know, I, I actually, I pride myself on being a waterman. Um, okay. I'm a big wave surfer. I've, uh, you know, raced inner island as a world ranked uh, paddler for many years and I can free dive to 120 feet, hold my breath for, you know, five and a half minutes. Um, so I, you know, I really, pride myself too long. On the, <laughs> um, I prided myself on the water stuff, but when I went to college and I actually, one of my good surfing buddies lived down in El Salvador, I went on a surf trip to visit him and he was a pilot. Okay. And he was like a real a helicopter pilot. pilot that introduced me to that. And it just, that set the hook. That was yeah. where I was all about helicopters. 
And so after that, I, yeah, I started focusing more on that. When growing up in Hawaii, did that, that obviously formed you from your childhood as just like a water baby? Yeah. I mean, I, I swam before I walked. That was for sure. Um, I think day one or day two, I was in the water. My man. Or, uh, you were just a freshie. Yeah. You, you were brand new <laughs> learning yeah. how to swim. No, I mean, it, I, you know, they say that we're uh, diving, you know, we have that mammalian dive reflex that we, you know, primal it's primitive it's in us so yeah i mean you start there and it i, I guess I, i'm still there <laughs> that's amazing um one of my buddies just picked up free diving yep um and got super hooked super fucking hooked because I'm, I'm not sure what the the satisfaction is because i've never done it i mean i've stuck my head underwater and try to close my eyes and then whoever goes up water first and then realizes that the other person's still under they lost uh-huh. that's like the most i know about holding my breath <laughs> it's that dumbass game or when you when you jump off of the high diving board and then you're freaking out until you're back up above water you know i so what's the what's the the draw to holding your breath for five minutes at a at 120 meters no uh 120 feet okay yeah. i was gonna say yeah, so you're gonna explode 38 meters um, 38 meters no but uh all right well he went to 40 meters yeah so you guys can can fight about it yeah no that's what i was gonna say there are a lot of guys that dive really deep and that was never my objective it wasn't about deep water dives for me it was because i was big wave surfing nice uh, nice uh nice undercut because you're like oh it's not a, i mean that's not even deep anyways oh no no <laughs> i didn't mean that at all i know i'm just kidding i'm just kidding yeah um it, yeah but you know at the same time i'm also i'm, I'm a competitor I, I always love pushing it you know so. so so you love you love free diving but it's a more of a tool for safety for you it was yeah and that's that's how i got into skydiving it's how i get into a lot of different things because if you have an issue in your helicopter you want to be able to fly down you want to be able to land a parachute is that what you mean no uh knowing that i was having jumpers in and out i I wanted a better understanding what was going on you know and and so so often that's what takes me in a direction that's what makes such a difference i i know you're a skydiver but i didn't realize that you had the awareness to know what you're to know what information you're gathering to keep other people safer. That's it. Yeah. You know, I, I said, you know, risk mitigation, but it's also liability. You know, I've got to know what situation I'm putting other people in to see if I'm comfortable with it. Cause you know, most of the people I'm playing with are going to be a lot better than me, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, I, I still have to take all those factors in. Um, I would, I would, uh, recommend you go bust out about 800 skydives. Um, and then realize how fucking stupid and, and retar- and insane it is to, uh, jump at Bob's. Cause I know you have, uh, a, what, around a hundred? Yeah. I'm pretty minimal there. It's, um, yeah. I and, wouldn't jump into Bob's. And it feels like, um, oh, 800 more. Yeah. I would, I'd be able to. D- so go do 800 and then go look at that landing area and, uh, be like, I can't believe I signed off on this. Oh dude, it's a steep approach. There are no outs. Yeah, no, yeah. it's, I, I, I know, but, <laughs> but I've also seen you in the tunnel. I've seen the way you fly and <laughs> well, you can fly your body all you want. A tree's a tree. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, so big wave surfing seems like so in like what what is the face of a, of a big wave? What what are the sizes you you were working with here, and how do you measure that? Um, yeah, so there's a lot of different ways. Uh, Hawaiian style, it's always by the back. 
Uh, okay. So, you know, California, we, we measure by the front. And Are those going to be big, big, drastic differences in height? Almost, yeah, almost half. Yeah, so you, you, if you have a 10-foot wave in Hawaii, it's like a 20-foot wave here. Oh, so the face is going to be bigger? Yeah. The front? Yeah, the, the face is always going to be a lot bigger than the back. I mean, wouldn't it be the same on both sides? No. I mean, when you think of a wave barreling and the way it sucks mm. and everything else, the water's pushing from behind. So if you put your hand in a bathtub or a pool and you push, yeah. you can see it stacking up behind and then pushes up over the top. Yeah. Um, so you started surfing pretty young? Yeah. Yeah. Started surfing young. Well, started boogie boarding and, and then moved into surfing and, uh, I don't know, kind of growing up in Hawaii, Southern California, I, I thought that I had to be a short border. I thought that's what made you cool. Yeah. Um, and which is true. <laughs> wasn't until I went off to college and was living in Malibu and that whole thing that it got me into longboarding and, you know, learning how to use the a bigger stick and what to do there. And, you know, then moving into big waves with the knowledge of how to move a larger board. You have to use but, a larger board for big waves. Yeah. I mean, not so much now. A lot of guys are doing towing, but when we were doing all the paddle and stuff, yeah, it was, you, you can't get going fast enough on a small board. You just really can't help yourself, can uh, you? I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> do you still live like that? Um, I'm a father of four. Uh, I've, I've got two sets of twins now. Um, <laughs> don't ask. My father's a twin. My wife's a twin. We have twins all over the place, but. Um, wow. I've got identical twins that are 10 months now, and uh, my five-and-a-half-year-olds are fraternal, boy if, and girl. If you have twins once, statistically, are you more likely to have twins again? Yes, yeah. That's insane, because, yeah. I mean, dude, half the, half the work, you got you got a family of four now. Are you, all, are you all good? Are you dude, going for six? I'm so done. I was, I was done two ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, By the time they listen to this, they'll think it's funny. <laughs> they'll understand. The, uh, I love it. I love being a father, and you know the the kids. It just uh, opens your eye to the world, and you know, whole new perspective. It yeah, changes it. So, how's your how's your work life? What you what you start doing for for work? So, Pepperdine, I uh, I I majored with. Uh, I was, in, I was looking into advertising. Uh, so I ended up uh, with graphic design. So I did a lot of pop-unders, pop, uh, pop What's a pop-under over? So when you open an advertisement uh, or when you open a website or a page, uh, when you get served a banner or an ad or those different oh, okay. things, spam. Spam. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, this was back. You're in, the CEO <laughs> of spam. I, I was. Yeah. <laughs> Um, back in the day, I have was, ad blocker. Uh, yeah, so it's great. They, they, they didn't know about that at Pepperdine. <laughs> Dude, I, I started, I graduated in 99. So 99, I was born in 97. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, <laughs> I was in college. Um, but now it was, uh, it was a different time. It, you know, it was when internet was just coming to fruition. Um, I remember the, the first thousand dollars I made and we just bought more names. Yeah, you know, it was we could you could literally buy lists and you just start spamming everybody, send out as many ads as you could. Wow, but that's uh <laughs> terrible. <laughs> well, it set the 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 tone. It did for the internet. I mean, it makes sense that that some people would be smart and be on top of it, but it really set the tone for the for the internet advertisement um, world. And I think it's just now uh being understood 
And I think it's just now growing into something that when you get ads that you like, you appreciate them. That you appreciate a website that's not full of spam, that's not being choppy because things are popping up all over. When yeah. when there's an ad that's well made, it's personable, it seems real, the product seems real, the, the influencer selling it isn't just an influencer selling it. I mean, I think it was natural it started like that. And it, it's kind of nice that like we've developed an eye for those for those proper advertisements. Well, that eyes, yeah, it, I mean, it has become that because of data mining and all the information that they have on us now. You know, as they say, Alexa, Siri, all that stuff is listening to us constantly. And I know if I Google something on my computer, I'll get an ad for it on Instagram on my phone because my, my Chrome is connected to both. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, advertisements have definitely changed. And you're right. It is nice being served things you actually are interested in. And, it you know, when you go to a site, that you're not just inundated with, you know, too much information or, or just random stuff. Well, and, and if you put out an ad, you can you can choose people who've already Googled that industry. Yes, yeah. No, but what I was saying, you know, this was back in the day. This was before can spam compliance. Oh, yeah. This was just like... This was just pure numbers. You it's know? like first banners. <laughs> yeah. No, if I could get a million people, I would have sent it to a million people. So, yeah, it was just a different time. Just a handful of darts at a board. Yep. Yeah. Something's yeah. going to hit. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was kind of what started that. Um, I've, I've always been kind of uh, entrepreneur in sales, you know, pushing different things. I do a lot of real estate. Um, to I, this yeah. day? Yes. Nice. Yeah. yeah so... Um, you know, I, my, my first million was with real estate. Okay. Uh, purchased my home out in Hawaii. And as you've seen everything I do, I, I kind of jump in hands yeah. in to yeah. all of it. So I, I learned to do tile work and to, you know, cut stone and build a pond and, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of physical labor. And so yeah. Yeah, I ended up tricking out the house. I was doing the house flip thing for a little while. And well, with with the way that your head works, correct me if I'm wrong, you say, well, if I do this once, I know what I'm paying for in the future. Exactly. I know what I need to hire people for. I know what I can do. And I know when someone's full of bullshit. Yeah. Um, and especially starting early with that, especially if you have a passion for it, um, it really opens the door, especially if you get a good flip out the gate. Yeah. Then, you, then you're rolling. Yeah. And as you say, I mean, at least you know what things are worth. You know, yeah. When somebody quotes you something, you, you have a much better understanding. Scoff, 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 scoff. <laughs> I've cut tile before, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or plumbing or, you know, all the, all the different things. That's, I uh, actually, I went blind when I was in Hawaii putting in a, a UV filter for an outdoor koi pond that I was building. I made a mistake of leaving the UV light on as I was doing the rest of the plumbing and burnt my eyes so badly that I was blind for three four days you i thought you were using like a a metaphor like you you went in blind no like no. you were trying your best without any knowledge no like you blinded yourself because yeah i ended up in the emergency room i was I literally blinded myself you burn your so, retina yep uh, i burnt my eyes so badly they, they thought i was a welder that wasn't using, using a welding mask I had okay lacerations across my, my actually my whole face peeled like Oof. so my eyes had to do the same thing i guess but. so so what's the treatment for that uh, wait and see what happens. Yeah. So you were scared. Very. Yeah. My wife and I had just gotten married, you know, that whole better or worse. She was like, Oh my gosh, did he just blind himself? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, fortunately I, I ended up 
<laughs> I ended up getting my vision back and I don't know if it was like some sort of like crazy LASIK or anything, but I actually have uh, better than normal vision. So what most people see at 20 feet, it's as though it's 10 feet from me. So I don't know if it shaped my retina or cornea in a way that allows me, but it helps for surfing or uh, for flying. Well, I know that like the idea of LASIK is to, to burn off that film that develops over your eyes. I mean, I have a very elementary understanding of it, but you, you burn off that layer on over your, your, your eye and it, and it just makes things clearer. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're basically shaping a lens. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I somehow naturally did that. I think <laughs> I always had good vision before that, but I, I literally, when I test now, it's, it's better than my eyesight is getting worse every day. Are you wearing glasses these days? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I, I think I could. Uh, I think if I went in, I had a pretty bad allergic reaction, like in my eye a couple of months ago, I mean, a while ago now. Um, and I went to the doctor and he was like, yeah, we'll take an eye test on top of it just to see. And then he told me to definitely come back when I wasn't having a reaction. Uh, and I was like, Oof, I'm scared to get glasses because I mean, I don't want it to get worse. I don't. I don't want my to wear glasses and then to slowly my vision just get accustomed to the glasses and then get worse beyond it. Yeah. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works either. I'm, I'm Doctor Perel's out. <laughs> uh, you come out of school. You're in real estate, and then you know. I know there's pieces to this puzzle that 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 I don't know. So, I mean, for the helicopter portion, for or? the for the for the business, for the entrepreneur side of things. Okay. Um, my wife is the brains of it. Uh, so she's the numbers. She's the, the, she's the backbone. She's the one that actually knows what's going on. You know, I, me, it was graphic design. Um, so I was more of the creative and, uh, able to convey a message. When did you meet her? Uh, freshman year, uh, in college. How old were you? Was, dude, what is that? That's gotta be, I don't know, 16 or no. Of, no, of college. college. Yeah. So yeah, maybe 19 or 20. Yeah. 19 or 20. Wow. Yeah. Uh, met super early on. Uh, we've been together for like 25 years or something like that now. Wow. Aging myself. But uh, yeah, no, we've been together for more well, than you don't, we haven't. You don't look a day over over 25. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, 43. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 43 father of four. I'm feeling it. <laughs> so you guys have, have worked together. So this this whole time and, and been on some pretty cool business ventures together. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I once we... We had kind of started the company and it grew and it turned into what it did. Uh, so being what's an online com- marketing company. Okay, so you yeah. so you started online marketing company and and she works kind of behind the scenes and and you try to get the face of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she did all the important stuff. I just did the things that people would see. <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean they each have their place, but I know what you mean. Uh, and I know what you mean when someone's capable of of that side of stuff. Yeah, running a business, the connections, all the all the. Uh, yeah, as I said, the, the parts that you don't necessarily see on a day-to-day basis that are so relevant to success. What kind of companies would you market for, or or how does we've, it? We've done everything from Disney Online, wow, um, uh, to you know Rockstar, Survivor, all those things, and then all the Fortune 500 companies now. It's, really, really, were you always aiming that high? Um, for no, those big no, companies, not at all. I mean, we we originally started by buying cheap trinkets from China get it in you know mass quantities ship it to the house i'd box it up we'd sell it off for you know 9.99 or whatever it was and 
hope that didn't catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, hope <laughs> there wasn't a lawsuit coming. Yeah, yeah. no, it was. Uh, it was definitely wasn't uh, connecting with larger brands. It was. It was more little niche products. And but once you had your feet on the ground, and once you knew what you were doing in the online world, you realized like, hey, these companies could could use us. Oh, absolutely. And as I was saying, it, it was an emerging market. You know, it was a it was a different time. And and uh, oh, that's a that's a. Uh, Fair point in a niche, a niche to catch. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, been fortunate to you know kind of ride that wave. Was it was it hard to make the transition working with these with these bigger companies that that have a lot more of a of a backbone of an opinion of uh, you know they can they can pick you up and and leave you if they want. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, you know the the cool thing about the internet is that you can do stuff so quickly. You can do stuff so fast. It's and, a gift and a curse yeah. of the internet. So for us, for me in particular, it was really neat to see um, making an advertising campaign. So here I'd, I would spend time and I'd make something that just looked bitching. I was stoked about it. It was like art. You know, I created something. And then we would, we would send it out. You do a little email blast mm-hmm. and you'd see how it performed. And it did okay or it didn't do well or whatever. And then I would end up doing just some quick little you know, blocky, in your face, whatever, that took a couple minutes and that would outperform the really nicely done artwork. Yeah. People are weird like that. It's uh, the psychology to get in people's brains to, to get them to click that little green button is, is so weird and it's ever changing. But sometimes that, that simple thing that just catches you, you don't know why you're drawn to it. It's, I mean, it's hilarious how, how people work like that in the, in the, in the world of internet where everything is, is instant. It's just like whatever thing that makes your brain go ding. And you're like, yep, I'll get that. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm in that mood, but. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Yeah. Uh, uh, So yeah, it was, it was funny to to see that and then I work with larger companies. Then it allowed me to kind of do that more artistic creative side because that's what they're expecting something a little bit more polished a little yeah bit more refined yeah i mean that's what they're paying for yeah and and then um to hang up my own ego or you know mm-hmm. anything else when somebody doesn't like something or tells you how they want it you know just okay yeah you know you're doing what they want want you to do that's so. all i mean that's always hard on a on a human on a human level i mean especially when you when you're an entrepreneur you build your own business like that you're like I wouldn't fucking be in this meeting with you if I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> it's true. Uh, did, uh, did you uh, ever start really investing into uh, brushing up on uh, psychology, on on the 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 human side of of digital marketing? Uh, very little. Uh, yeah, I, basic I, I concepts. Yeah, I I did study it. Sl- you know. Yeah. I'm one of those people that just goes down wormholes. Every time I I find something new, I I need to get more information to figure Mm -hmm. out how to improve it. How do you balance that? Because it's really hard for me. Yeah, I I don't know how I balance it. It's it's helped me a lot and it's hurt me a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, As you know, I mean, it can just take you down weird rabbit holes yeah you're gone for how until you (laughs) until you know enough until you know enough where you're satisfied and you can hopefully have a breath before you do it again yep yeah no, I, I feel like a you know jack of all trades expert at none yeah uh, you know I, I i try to focus <laughs> yeah as, as long as like you try to contain it to where at least somewhat can work together these crazy 
like the all these weird things that you know about can like sometimes you put in like this this one box that you can work you can make them all work together because yeah. i mean focusing on 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 one simple task or no matter how complicated um staying focused is is always been the been the achilles heel yeah i i, I mean yes uh, for for me uh, I, i've got add I'm, yeah. I mean, diagnosed attention deficit disorder. When I was yeah. a kid, they put me on. You know, I was going to go, but I got distracted. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it also lets me hyper-focus. Well, yeah. I mean, it is a double-edged sword. Yeah. It, I mean, it it really is the, the, the fuel to the fire that, that makes everything possible. Um, but also, like, why do you know so much about the galaxy next to ours, but you don't you can't focus on this simple task to edit this audio file yeah. yeah no it's um it's one of those things that when you're in it and it's on and it's happening as you know mm-hmm. like you get that tunnel vision that focus mm-hmm. and it's just all about that in that moment and if when i can harness that and make that work for me it's great um you know when when it runs rampant then i'll kind of just let it flow unfortunately i'm in a position now that it allows me to to see where it's going to take me you know i i, I don't have a, a typical day job i'm not sitting at a desk that somebody's telling me this is what you got to do and you have to have it done by this time you know it's that would be very challenging for me <laughs> <laughs> it would it would be almost impossible i mean with that being said if you always had the day job, you might be a little more conditioned. But now to go back into that into that cage, I mean, Dude, yeah. it's in the way you walk, it's in the way you talk, it's in the way you fly, it's in the way you do business. I mean, you're not putting putting you in a cage anymore. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that that would be a, a sad day for John. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually wondering what your name was, uh, John Perel, because because yeah. I mean, you're in my phone as Perel. Yeah. You're on Instagram as J.R. Perel. Okay. Um, and I'd never heard your first name. Oh, that's all like, right. Jared, John, <laughs> Jonathan. I was like, who's coming over right now? Just a plain J- J-R-H-N. J.R. Perel pilot. Yeah. And and I do. I've got a lot of guys that call me, you know, J.R., J.P. My tail number's 3 Juliet Papa. Um, so a lot of people will just call me J.P. Um it's my initials. Everyone should bond to it. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's our, our phonetic. Juliet Papa. Yeah, Juliet Papa. Man, <laughs> you're stuck with that now. <laughs> I'll, uh, that's fine. I'll take it. Um, did you guys sell the sell the online marketing gig? We did. Um, and the first time we sold it, I, I left. Um, my, my wife stayed on with it and ended up... Uh, somehow becoming a 51% partner again and, and then reselling it and has ridden that to a whole nother level. Wow. Um, my wife is an ultra accomplished woman, Ernst and young entrepreneur of the year, you know, New York best time seller. She's just on good morning America. She's, she's the, the real entrepreneur of the, the family. But, wow. Yeah. For me, it's uh, creative outlets. That's, that's amazing to have someone on your team. Oh yeah, built like that. <laughs> no, yeah. it's it is. It's fun, uh, you know. And it's nice that we have different strengths. And, yeah, and we're able to complement each other. She get bothered by your uh, no, creative outlets. No, it's it's nice because we did meet so young uh-huh. that she, 
knows that I'm kind of a nut, you know, yeah. that I, I do, you know, get very into whatever I'm into. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and me the same, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch her jump into some new adventure and, or, or venture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the difference between venture and adventure. Yeah. Mine is adventure. Hers is a venture. That's, that's a very good <laughs> distinction. That's uh that's, that's 20 years of marriage <laughs> distinction right there. That's true. No, it's, it's fun. But, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, watching the, the internet evolve, watching my, uh, my wife's business turn into what it's become and allowing us to leverage who we are to really be the best people that we like to be. Yeah. And still be together. You guys still, <laughs> still work together? No, no. Um, it, yeah. I, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more involved with real estate, that type of yeah. stuff. My wife is, uh, she's in a very big transition right now. Um, she's probably going to be starting an influencer TV show. Wow. Um, I don't know if I'm even supposed to be saying that part yet, but whatever. And, I think, uh, uh, all, all eight people that are, that are listening to this will, uh, I don't think they'll steal the okay. idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's working with the, uh, executive producer from good morning America and nice. they're, they're pitching a, a new show right now. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, that's cool that you find people who once they get going, um, it's just about aiming. Yeah. I mean, they're not gonna, not gonna stop. It's just where do you, where do you point this? Where do you point all this fuel? This, this, for this next adventure or venture or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever thing we got going on next. I'm, I'm all about people that are self-motivated. Yeah. That have energy that have drive, you know, that's the people that just sit there and watch it go by. You're like, dude, what are you doing? What happened? Like, you know, time goes by and everything passes you by, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that sit on the sideline. There's a lot of people out there doing it. I mean, it, it happens fast. You catch you. I mean, I, I'm sure you've been a victim of it as well. You catch yourself like, where did time go? Oh, like, every day. You know, like I thought I was so focused, and I wake up and and shit got away from me for a second. But it's like once you realize that, and once you're on track, and you're checking shit off of a list like no, like nobody's business. Yeah. It's like it only it only makes you want to do it more. It's like an object in motion is going to stay in motion. And that is so true. And in, in all, I mean, especially in, in business or especially in getting that little entrepreneurial mind going. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, um, it, it, it's a fun thing, you know, when people have that drive, that, that willingness to execute and to, to go, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's fun when there's that energy. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It's it is. It's all about energy. What are some What are some techniques that you've that you've used in the past or developed in the past when you are running low on on energy or you're starting to feel backed against the wall? I mean, for me, water has always been an outlet for me. Uh, so more recently, I found floating. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm all into the saltwater floats. Those uh, those uh, sensory deprivation tanks. Yep. Yeah. So the water temp is the same as your body. Mm-hmm. Lights off, no sound, and uh, you know that for whatever reason, that's a great recharge for me. Do you? Uh, uh, does it change every time? Yes. Yeah? yeah. Like the way you feel in there, like it's not like a repeated feeling. No. Because I mean, that's not how like emotions work. Yeah. Uh, um, they say that you don't fall, that you can't fall asleep in the water. 
sometimes I think I have, you know, they're suggesting it's meditation or the different things, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go in, you sit down and like life, you've just, you are holding on to a certain idea or thought. And sometimes you just can't get that out of your head. And yeah. You, you know, when you're just stuck in your own head, um, and that 90 minutes can feel like forever. And then there's those other times where you calm down, you just relax and, you know, you focus and you listen to your breath and listen to what's going on. And then all of a sudden it's over. Um, do you think so, a part of it is giving yourself when you have that thought stuck in your head? I mean, especially if it's a, a hard one, you know, if, especially if it's like an emotional trigger or something that you definitely need to move through. Do you think actually dedicating that time to allow yourself to, to, to feel that and, and only that side of things? not be so distracted by by the sensory stuff but the but to kind of allow yourself to look inward for a while you think that that gives you that fuel when you're done or or do you go in with a goal in mind like i don't want to think about anything for 90 minutes so I, you know no i i mean for me i i try to go in as open to whatever it is that's going to come to me yeah um and and i try to uh assimilate you know, just to try to take in whatever is going on. So if if my mind is stuck on something, I, I'll, I'll stay there. Hopefully it's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll work it out and, you know, maybe be you able know, to resolve something. Do under, understand, get that like acceptance and understand like what you can control and what you can't. Yeah. And let it, just let it, whatever needs to sink in, just let it, just let it soak in, pun intended. <laughs> No, I'm I'm all about the soak. <laughs> <laughs> There's a place called Utah that you might. <laughs> um, with uh, the the uh, the sensory deprivation take, where is uh where's the one that you got? Do you have one? Do you have one no, in your no, health, in the back of your in the back of your Tesla? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's called the Ocean. No, um, I actually I use North County Float down in Solana Beach. Uh, there is one up in Carlsbad. Um, I like the one in Solana. It's larger tanks. And, uh, yeah, you're a big dude. Yeah, you know, it's. I, I don't like to be bouncing off the walls when I'm in there. Yeah, it's, how do you stop that? Um, just stop moving. Yeah, I mean, when, once you actually get relaxed and you and you calm down, I I have a big enough wingspan that I can kind of touch the walls and I can kind of slow it down. But otherwise, when I get in, it's going to be sloshing a little bit, and I'll expect to bounce off a couple. For like walls. 10, 15 minutes, or hopefully less. But yeah, no, it's. I wasn't very good at it. I did it once. <laughs> I did it once when I was probably 16, 17 maybe. I'm not even sure. I didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't understand. I was just, I was really scared before I went in. Oh. Because I thought it was going to be like a very claustrophobic. Uh-huh. Um, but it just turned out to be like a, like a bathroom kind of like it big as a, you know, it, it had a, it had a whole thing you could get out if you wanted. Yep. Um, I thought they're going to lock you in there and, and you were in like this coffin. And oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was distracted before, you know, I was terrified, but then I laid down and I was like, Oh, it's just like dark in here. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's its own thing. I don't always float. It's not necessarily about that, but it's, yeah. it's just looking for a time to let go, you mm-hmm. know, to, to get away from the, the daily life, to, from all the noise. You know, we live in a, a, a time and place that even if you're out in the middle of the desert, it's very rare that you'll have more than a couple minutes before you hear something that's man-made, whether yeah. it's a jet flying by or, you know, something You else. don't even realize. Uh, I mean, when you actually really look for silence, it's kind of hard to find. Especially with tinnitus. 
Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that can create many issues, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't have tinnitus. Really? Yeah. No. You've always been very careful with your ears? Um, you know, I rock the Bose. Yeah, I, I, I'm using the, the headsets. I always have noise canceling. Um, I, I do what I can to protect the ears. Um, flying doors off. My left ear is definitely not as good as my right. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting left seat in the, the 500, which is normally doors off. Um, but no, uh, you know, hearing's still good. It's, That's impressive. It's okay. I mean, I've, I've been in, like, been around airplanes for, for not that long. A couple of years, four years maybe, five years. Um, and I know a lot of people with 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 hearing damage, with tinnitus, with uh, uh yeah, it's a struggle out there. I notice though you're you're good about it. I mean, as much as you jump and mm-hmm. and even the tunnel time, you, you, earplugs. You I mean, I wear earplugs skydiving. Yeah, you in um, okay. for the airplane? Yeah, but uh, you don't realize the free fall, the yeah. actual sound, the actual air passing over your over your ears. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I think I've seen it in people who ride motorcycles too, uh-huh. who don't wear earplugs. Yeah. Um, and you just don't you just don't notice that because there's so much adrenaline there's so many things you're focused on um you go wow it's really fucking loud right now it's it's rare you actually go into your into your head like that because once you are going fast enough to actually do damage to your ears you're focused on how fucking fast you're going <laughs> you know it's right. like you're, if you break 250 in a group of six you know there's not very much time to be like, mm, it's a little loud. I might slow down. Like, no, you're you're just going. You're yeah. on go mode. True. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, the time in my life that I, you know, I, I'm trying to focus on on health and well being, and you know, eating cleaner and, and what a time to be alive. <laughs> no, I mean it's you know, get a grass fed avocado these days. Uh, Do you eat organic? I try, yeah. I, I I try to eat really clean. How's your How's your meat intake? I I I intake a lot of meat. Yeah. Um, no, I I actually I've cut out a lot more red meat. I, I okay. am a full on carnivore. Um, I'm invested in a in a company, Crystal Rivers, uh, out of Colorado. So all what's organic, uh, a cattle farm, a uh, beef, all a, organic a, beef, grass fed. Um, we have the a truck show up on property for the slaughterhouse, so you know the animals are under less stress, like everything else. I mean, it's it's meant to be high quality, cleaner everything where's the distribution for this for this meat um it's out out of colorado uh, out of colorado but do you guys aim for more restaurants or or is it like a grocery store it, or is it it's whole foods and, and okay. some of the local restaurants um but yeah we we were kind of doing the butcher box thing for a little while you know where we were mailing it around uh, doing online uh, back to online sales but you know we were we were selling beef any way we could well we had pork and other stuff as well but is it where is it pretty cool to go to a, a place like whole foods and yeah see your own stuff yeah yeah <laughs> it you is see, cool you yeah. see uh kind of something you have your hand in absolutely yeah uh, but you know at the same time it, even though i am heavy in beef I, I try to stay away from the red meat is you know just for health doing more the salmon and fish and you know i, I love sushi I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sushi's the shit. Yeah, man, so sushi's always been great. It is, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think like I started eating sushi pretty young, but like really simple, and now like I can eat all of it, all the raw, all the raw fish, like without even like I love it. Yeah, 
No, it is. It's funny to see that progression when, when people are like, ooh, oh, I'm not going to eat that. And then all of a sudden it's like, ooh, what is that? I'll try that. <laughs> uni? What's uni? <laughs> but that's uh, uh, cool. Uh, and, you know, kind of grown up in Hawaii and around that, that water culture. It, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've pulled something straight out of the ocean and, and eaten it. So it's, uh, I think it's just second nature. That's what feels so good about fish. That's what feels so good about when you're eating, when you're eating like steak or, or chicken, you're cutting it open and making sure it's cooked so you don't die. <laughs> you can grab a fish out of the water and take a bite out of it. And it's like good for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, it may it does change it does feel like very very healthy and and set like i un- i understand why that whole pescatarian yeah. thing takes off so hard it's true no i agree yeah. um but there's a, also a dark side of that yeah um I, I've, I've had other friends you know growing up and seeing a lot of people that only eat fish or go that pes- pescatarian route with very high levels of uh mercury and heavy metals because the fish are eating other fish and it, it builds up in them pretty quick and it can lead to a lot of other issues. Really? Yeah. So all You've the plaques. first time. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my mother was one of the, the first people that I saw exposed to that. And she had to go through chelation and clean her blood out. And she literally had heavy metal poisoning. Is um, that a painful process? Um, no, but I mean, it, it's like Alzheimer's dementia. I mean, it, it, it starts, you know, uh, clogging ar- arteries and plaque in the brain and all of that type of stuff where it, it does, it impairs you, it slows you down. So, so, I mean, they weren't kidding when they said a balanced diet. That's it. That's life, right? Yeah. It's all about balance. Yeah. I'm working on it. (laughs) I think we all try. (laughs) Or at least if we're we're doing well for trying. (laughs) But, uh, um, I don't know. I I think, you know, diet, exercise, all those things. You You exercise pretty good? I try. You seem like you're pretty fit. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in the water surfing all that yeah and, and uh and I, I do i make it into the gym a couple times a week and that's plenty you know, yeah. i mean a couple of times a week two to three uh, yeah i'm out there three times a week it's yeah you know but it's one of those things i've i've got to manage the weight i got to be able to keep up with those kids and yeah uh you know it's and and i, I love being active i love being capable and, and uh being able to do anything you do know, you do any s- any uh yeah I was going to ask rock climbing. I I really like rock climbing. Um, I love climbing. Yeah. I would love to go over to uh, Vital in Oceanside or Carlsbad with you sometime if you want to go on some go on some vertical hikes. That'd be great. I love it. Yeah. uh, It's always fun. I I, I used to have all my own gear and I've done, you know, lead climbing to top roping to all the the different stuff. Climbing outside seems like it's terrifying. (laughs) I mean, I don't do very good with heights like that. Yeah. That surprises me from for somebody that's standing on top of a eight story mega ramp that you don't like heights. Yeah, I get made fun of. <laughs> I get made fun of up there because I'm because I'm I'm ter- I'm absolutely ter- terrified. Really, you don't you don't like standing up there? It's, no, yeah. no, not at all. If I'm on my skateboard, everything's everything's Gucci. But yeah. um, in the elevator, standing up on the edge. I mean, I stand in the middle of the ramp when I'm up top. I don't, I mean, I, I I when I'm getting up over the edge to drop in, I'm. I'm I'm leaning. I'm holding on to things. I'm I'm really like trying my best to stay safe. But once I'm on my board, it's a different it's a different world. Cause cause then I'm skateboarding. I'm not dealing with standing on an edge that I that I could fall off of for no reason. Like I don't understand why it's such a so important that I that I go and and sit on the railing like there's not a ninety foot 
drop on the other side. <laughs> but but once I drop in, it's like I feel like I'm skating, and it it becomes a speed and power management game yeah. more than uh, worrying about falling off of a of a ninety foot building. I've seen many people fall off of a stationary skateboard, so I <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I have a hard time with that. <laughs> And it's funny because, I mean, I've also seen you in a plane, you know, sitting right there on the ledge. Yep. I guess as long as you've got your rig on. Well, under 1,500 feet, terrifying. Okay. All right. Anything over 1,500 feet is just time. Yeah. It's just safer and safer. No, you're right. So, I mean, once I got a rig on, once I got, I mean, once I have a parachute on and and we get over that height where I know things are going to work out, yeah. um, where I can use my, my skydiving... Uh, schooling and knowledge to keep myself safe and alive um yeah it makes it enjoyable yeah i wouldn't be able to look out the edge of an airplane um sitting in the door with my foot out uh without a rig on i would probably fall out never once have i fallen out in my life no and i've like you start you have you have a parachute on and you can really start to hang out and look out and you know you realize you never fall but if I didn't have a parachute on, I'd be gone. I'd fall out every time. There's no, you know, there's no way. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's funny. I, uh, I don't know. I've got to laugh at that because the stuff that we've done together, I've watched you step out of helicopters and <laughs> hanging off of skids and <laughs> the different things. It's, if I had a heart rate uh, monitor on, <laughs> I think it would be uh, even even more. Uh, it. I don't want to say impressive because. Because, I mean, it's just a choice that I made to put myself in that spot. And then when it's time to go, I'm, I'm, I don't back down. Yeah. You know, it's like if I, if I agree on the ground, it's because I know I can do it. And if it, and if it's, if it looks like what I agreed to on the ground, I mean, I go with my instincts. Uh-huh. Um, so pushing through like so much fear, like I don't talk. Like I just don't, I just, I'm like once the helicopter takes off, I can't get words out, you know, I'm just like in, internalizing and I'm just like feeling so much like emotion and just the plan and everything. And I remember Bob was was laughing at me on the way up. Like He's like, you're going to be fine. I'm like, I know. Deadpan. Just like, give like, I need my I need my zone. That's funny, because when I, anytime I look at you, it looks like you're internalizing it or or um, well, I've also seen you play it out. You know, yeah, where where I'll watch you move and do things that, you know, before you're actually doing it, you you're picturing how you're going to fly it out, and you know, so that, that's interesting to hear you say that. Well, well, to me, like fear uh, is like arbitrary, you know, to to what is actually going on. Like if I know the facts, I I know I'm capable of of hitting this spot in the air i'm capable of hitting this landing pattern i'm capable of doing this on the skydive if you do your job as the pilot like i only have a couple of jobs on the way down and if i just focus on those jobs in in and i know i can do them it's like no matter how scared i get or no matter how important it is that i actually do it right it's like i know i'm i know i can do it and i know i'm gonna do it so just like whoa i feel like terrified right now it's like almost like a cool feeling to feel but it doesn't take away from the fact that i can do it yeah you know and i think that's just the way of my way of like processing that that feeling is just let letting myself be a bit scared 
Like I, 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 that's how I, that's how I, I couldn't, I couldn't lie to myself if I tried and say, I'm not, you know, I don't feel anything. I'm not. Oh no, I, I, I'm the same way. I, I, uh, I harness that fear. Yeah. Yeah. Use, use that adrenaline, help you focus, help you make those quicker decisions. Use it as a, as a chisel <laughs> to, to sharpen you. Yeah. No, I agree. That's yeah. I, I, I think it, the people that say they're not scared are either full of shit or just stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. I you can be so thoughtless that you you know you didn't even realize that you should be scared, um, but I don't I don't think uh, you should ever lie to yourself. No, I think it's it's a it's a natural human instinct to to lie to yourself to keep yourself feeling safe to keep yourself uh, you know outside of the facts to to make it look how how you want because you think it's gonna control the outcome, um, but if you're scared. Um, I found so much more value in to ask why I'm scared instead of trying to focus on not be not being scared. Uh-huh. You know, if if there is, you know, con- conditions that that makes it weird. If there is a a really important spot that you have to hit, that's a small window, um, and if you miss that window, the consequences are pretty severe. Yeah. That's a really good reason to be scared. You know, that's a really fair reason you know you have this you have this small window that you got to fly through with your parachute um and that window is kind of moving around based on conditions and based on landing pattern and you know but saying that it doesn't matter to you i mean i think that's a that's a huge base of fear is recognizing that it matters to you oh yeah it's it's got to matter <laughs> i mean and that can come in a lot in many different forms in a in a competition it can come in the it matters the fact that i that i do well because of sponsors because of placement because of the timing and it's it means a lot to me and then there's the part where it's like my health matters to me my body matters to me my 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 longevity matters like i, I put i put care into those things and that is what allows you to to feel that fear but if you if you just don't care i mean the reward also won't be as high i agree i think uh being being open to life being open to the feelings being open to to the situations you put yourself in and how much it means to you i mean it, it's you you feel these intense emotions that uh that i don't think very many people uh ever get to 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 actually understand and and feel yeah i, I it's interesting when you see people do that where they compartmentalize or or choose not to experience what's going on Mm -hmm. um you know put those blinders on and and miss it yeah Um, you know i i actually recently had somebody up flying and they were uh filming Mm -hmm. and all they were doing was staring at the lens Mm -hmm. i mean it was professional production but he was fine when he was looking in the camera but as soon as we stopped filming and he looked outside his body posture you know just watching him tense up watching everything happen and i think you know so often today we're all looking through a lens. Yeah. And uh, and we kind of forget what, what's going on. Yeah. And so it was funny to see him. He was there. He was experiencing it. He just happened to be experiencing it off of a monitor. Yeah. And then as soon as he stopped looking at the monitor and took it in to watch that visceral change. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty unique. It's And it's neat to see that, you know. Well, I think uh, looking, staring at, at life through a, through a lens can can be such a strong metaphor because i mean you don't have to have a phone in front of you 
to sometimes be a bit numb to to what's going on around you you know you can you can definitely gloss over and you can definitely not take in the good and not take in the bad and kind of start just like being on this coasty kind of feeling um and it's never it's never going to be enough things aren't going to be and you can you can do base jumping you can do wingsuit base jumping in in switzerland by the by the huge mountains or you can go get to the top of evis but you're not gonna feel it but if you're but if you're open to looking through your eyes and feeling your yourself exist feeling the good the bad it's like all of a sudden the simple things come so intense and then and then all of a sudden you're staring outside of a helicopter and it feels like the most magical place in the world yeah Uh, that's I mean, that's it still for me every single day when I get up in a helicopter. I'm so thankful. I'm, I just, I'm so amazed with, you know, the technology, the, where we actually live, the geography, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, it, it's, it's so cool. I love San Diego being able to be right here on the beach and well, 30 minutes within 30 minutes of, of where we live, we can be in death Valley below sea level. We can be up on top of a 13,000 foot peak. We can, you know, have rivers, waterfalls, pine forest, desert. I mean, it's everything, you know, so. A change of scenery is good for the mind. It is. Yeah. That's it. And, and sometimes, you know, I've seen that with graphic design. You know, you can see that in gaming. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why you have different worlds. That's why you, you move through these different things. It's. It's a it's fair point. That up, That's you know? a fair point. Get those synapses firing. <laughs> there's there's something about being in the air that that uh, resets that gratitude too. Yeah. Um, looking down, over looking over the world, I should say, looking from a different point of view. Um, those are some of the most uh, grateful times. Like some of the some of the times I felt the most grateful in my life is is being up at six thousand feet, five thousand feet looking around just enough to, to take in the world, but to, it's kind of like an out of body, out of body experience. And it you is. come back down and you go, wow, it's, it's a really beautiful place we live. I agree. No, for sure. That's uh, it's neat. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I, before, you know, when you said you wanted me to come on for a podcast, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to see if you had where your podcasts were. Mm-hmm. So I looked you up and, and uh, you know, it's, I didn't. I didn't find the podcast, but then yeah. I, I went down that wormhole where I was like, "All right, you know, twelve sixty, you mm-hmm. know, all the different things," and and uh, it's like, did you like envision? Did you picture those things in your head? Is it something that that you manifested? You know, they, they, I mean, that's kind of what, what we're leading to is like, you know, so many people just go with the flow and yeah. forget what's going on in life, but. I mean, the people that are really pushing it, you do, you kind of have to manifest what's going to happen before it ever takes place. Uh, the thing I really hate about the word manifesting is it sounds like a passive oh, true. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't believe that, I mean, that that's not what that word means to me, but I feel like that's what that word can mean to a lot of other people. Um, like, you like, hope it happens. <laughs> yeah, like, like you manifest it and then it happens to you. No, okay. That's um, how, yeah. The the thing about um, manifesting for me um, is the thing that's important, I think, to get across is how emotionally invested and how emotionally taxing um, manifesting these things are. 
Yeah. Um, I was able to try a, a twelve sixty three months before I actually went to uh, X Games Minneapolis and and made it, and I wasn't able to try it any time in between. What? Um, so I tried it twice in Shanghai, and then there's no no mega ramp contests, and and Bob's was under construction, um, and I had to wait till till Minneapolis. Um, so it was this this ball that I started rolling, that was a huge fucking ball, yeah. and 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 I had to just kind of leave it alone, and let that motherfucker roll. <laughs> like I know once X Games got a got a got wind. Like they knew, they saw it. Okay. Um, all the announcers, all the other competitors, all my sponsors, all my future sponsors. Um, this ball started rolling and picking up steam. Um, and I didn't like superstitiously didn't claim once. I didn't tell anyone I was going to try it. I didn't tell, I didn't commit. I didn't confirm. I didn't even like, I would barely admit to, to my closest people in my life that that was a plan of mine but really but in my head every day all day i'm i'm working out putting myself in that position so i know what what those fear triggers are i know what i'm worried about and i know what i need to to calibrate to fix so when it's when it is time to send it that i'm ready that i've internalized it and that i that i can accept that fear because it's going to be there but I, but I know the facts too, and I can internalize and kind of let it go, and just and just rip it. I mean, it's not something a twelve sixty is not something you can control. It's not something that you're gonna get right every time and feel like you're not even. It's not like second nature. It's gonna be something that is full of fear. That you know, doubt will creep in at times, and knowing that when you're on the ramp, uh, how intense it is. I mean, I I think it's like a, it's such a, it was such a life experience. Um, it was, it was such a, such a deep internal, uh, emotional life experience that it didn't, it didn't feel like a contest. It didn't feel like a trick. Like before, before the comp started, um, everybody was up on the, on the 70 foot jump, but I was down on the, on the 50 footer because, I wanted to be able to control my speed okay. going into it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be able to 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 pick up some speed to have that positive body language going into the into the trick instead of going so fast that I'm just trying to hold on. Uh-huh. Um, and I was so intense, and I was so like so much led into it that I that I glossed over. I went I went numb about yeah. ten minutes before. Really? And I was going through my motions. I've been in enough contests, to re- I guess. It's the first time I ever recognized it. Going through the motions, I'm bouncing around. I'm thinking about the trick, and I'm just not feeling anything. Huh. And I was like, hey, dude, like, where are you? Like, where are you at? Like, the last three months, you were feeling things, you know? Um, and I remember the specific conversation I had with myself. I was like, whatever you feel... Like you gotta feel it now. Like I said, those those words out loud. Um, I'm lucky I was alone because I I mean I I broke. I okay. had a full. I mean I broke down right there. Tears and just like 
emotions and all the stress from the months and everything. Um, and I didn't know if I wanted to do even be where I was uh-huh. at that moment. I didn't know if I belonged there, if this was something that, that I kind of, did I get caught in this wheel turning or, or am I manifesting my reality? You know, it, it wasn't so clear at the moment. Um, but once I came out of that, like crazy, intense, emotional place, um, it was so obvious it was for me because I, I wouldn't have, I, if, if, if I wouldn't have felt that much, I wouldn't have felt yeah. so much passion. I wouldn't have felt like so much care into the, into the position I was in and in, in knowing how much it meant to me to succeed. Um, knowing how much it meant to me to, to try and to do it for me. Um, and I think that was the last thing to accept, to get over that fear is it was worth it for me. It, it yeah. was, it, you know, cause it wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth breaking a femur for someone else. No, no, never. It's gotta be for you. Yeah. But, but once I actually realized and felt how much I was really caring and how much I was really holding on to about this, this trick, but like this adventure to say, Hey, I can accomplish this. Um, it, it opened the door for me to really try and it, it, like it opened the door for me to, to really try in a, from a relaxed place, from an internalized place, from a, from a place of, of confidence and in, in no fear because I was, I was prepared to take, I was prepared for the risks. Like if I got fucked up, it would suck but it was so worth it that the fear started to go away. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the first attempt obviously was jittery. Um, and, and I popped out way too hard and I spun too fast. Um, the second attempt, uh, I didn't pop out as far. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't spin as fast, but I popped out too far again. Okay. Yeah. And by the third attempt... Um, I felt like I was on the ramp with my homies. Dude, on the third attempt, it talk about control. Yeah. It, that comfort, everything else. The the way that you did it, it, it you just stopped it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you spotted it. it the way you, you hit it, I, I, I saw it and I was like, it's got to be from the tunnel time. Yeah. Like that you have that body awareness and the different things that I, I was like, I don't know how do you, I mean, obviously you build up to it. Yeah. But how do you prepare to actually do that in those conditions i assume Um, those ramps are different yeah they are different um in the the amount of experience i have um it's 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 more of an emotional game than a skill than a than a than a skill game i have the skill set to spin you know i could probably spin another one if emotionally i could process you know what going 20 feet and and the risk and going through that whole thing again yeah you know but but even further like as far as the the spin goes, I'm going around in circles. Yeah. Um. But but if we're talking about the actual spin, speed of of rotation is so much more about balance uh-huh. than than torque. Yeah. I mean, once you get that snap, I mean, I have a good snap, but being able to get to 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 slowly balance into that spin and to get super small and tight. I mean, it's not just a it's not just a body position. It's taking off and in getting into that spin. You see how ice skaters 
start spinning slow and then as they get smaller it gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and so that that pace of being able to speed up just by sheer balancing into the spin uh -huh. um is a is a feeling that i i don't think very 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 many people know on a skateboard um and it is cool that no one else has experienced it quite that that deep because because <laughs> there is a split second in a 900 where you're you're in that it's you you balance into that zone and then you ease out of it okay but that time you spend at max speed spinning like maximum balance maximum speed is very small uh-huh but for a 1260, you ease into that zone just the same, and you, you stay there for a while. And then you start easing out of it. So being able to feel that, like, I probably spun 360 or just over a 360 in that, in that max zone of, okay. of spinning, where, where the rest of it is easing into it and, and easing out of it. You know, there's a 360 in, there's a 360 when or a little more of of max speed and then there's a 360 coming out of it and then like you know there's there's a couple of degrees left over that i, I don't know where those are <laughs> quite where those quite belong um so are you saying you think you can actually get another full rotation a full 360 i mean there's there's four feet of of air time to work with i mean i went 16 feet at a for a 1260 okay um and I mean, you can go 22 on a mega. Uh -huh. So, I mean, I think if, if you want to, that's not the direction I'm going. No, no. Um, I think that would be three steps ahead of, of where, where skateboarding is. I'm not sure the future of, of big air. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure, um, what kids are coming up. I'm not sure where the contest is going. Um, I know 1260s are a lot of fun, but there's so many things that get, get my head working. I'm like, I want to be able to, to, to mix up the tricks. I want to skate switch. I want to flip my board. I want, there's so many avenues to go. I, I definitely don't want to spin into the ground. I don't, I don't want to beat that into the ground. No. Um, and I don't think that would, it would stay as satisfying. I mean, that was, that was a huge door to open and a huge, a huge thing to break through. Um, but skateboarding is so much, so much, so many avenues yeah. that, uh, I have to mix it up before that that question's even really answered. Was that you and Italo that did the uh, the board transfer over at Bob's and Italo and I did the did the skateboard transfer. Yeah. Uh, what year was that? Maybe I, I don't even know what year that was. Um, but the only reason we could do that is because we skydived together. Uh -huh. I mean, going that fast and looking at someone sitting right in front of you, like you and me, yeah. um, is very weird. I mean, you've experienced it skydiving. Um, you guys are in your world and everything else is passing by and you're like, uh, here, take this. Oh, I'll take that one. Okay. How, how are we on? Like, how did we land right now? Yeah. Um, I still have a scar from that day. Do you? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I still have a burn, burn uh, patch the size of like a, a palm on my, on my hip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cause, uh, 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 target fixation. I was looking at Italo and we took off and I started leaning towards him. Oh. And then all of a sudden... I'm just floating and I'm on, I'm on my side and I'm horizontal now and we just smashed down on the ground and oh. my shirt came up and yeah. I mean I promised myself we'd make it after that cuz uh I mean if you're going to get that hurt you might as well you might as well make it dude the slams that you guys take and the I 
I don't know. I, I, I think uh, it's funny because so many people see this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're exposed to it. They get to see mm-hmm. it on TV, X Games and all that. But until you're actually on a mega ramp. Oh, yeah. And have walked it or stepped on top of the quarter pipe or, or you know, the drop-in or any of that. There is no perspective to that scale. There's literally nothing that you could ever see that would let you know. Yeah. I mean, to say that you're standing on top of an eight-story building, it's like, oh, okay. I I, I still don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Never seen it like a ramp version of that. Yeah. Uh Um, And it happens to me still every time. You walk into the stadium and you see the mega ramp and you see it. And you're like, I'm going to fucking be on that. (laughs) Sending. Yeah. I'm not just going to survive. Like we are, we are using this as a tool to send. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Uh, so you, you think that the sport is, uh, is pulling away from bigger or mega? Um, I, I mean, I meant it's more so like, I'm not sure where the, where the direction is going to be. Um, if more people are going to start doing 900s or, if kids are going to start trying 1260s or if it's going to slow down and go more flip your board or, or start skinning switch or start opening up this this world of spinning front side or um, no one does any corks yet. No oh. one no one flips. Okay. Um, they do a backflip over the gap. Elliot's 720 gets off axis. Yeah. But as far as the quarter pipe goes, no one's doing rodeos anymore, or double rodeos or backside or backside rodeos or no one's messing with these with these accesses like they do in snowboarding. Yeah. Um so I think it, and before we get too far into spinning, I think there's a whole world to to really think about. Um and Absolutely. and really process like where the directions we can go um in in the amount of creative uh space we have. That's funny. I, I mean, snowboarding was always influenced by skating. Do you mm-hmm. think that skating's now influenced I, by? Sk- I mean, I think we are getting good enough at going big and fast yeah. that uh, that it makes sense that they they will always talk to each other. Uh-huh. I mean, they're they're board sports. Yeah, they're they're always going to be synced up in in some way. Uh, the lip tricks have the same names. The air tricks have the same. Like we like each other's styles. Like when I look at a snowboarder's style. Like, I think it's dope. Like, and okay. I know they, they watch skateboarding and they're like, dude, like I've gone 22 feet doing a lean air and I do that same thing with the, with the shoulder or with the back leg or, you know, yep. they're always going to talk and communicate. So like, I think as long as your eyes are open and you can spot the similarities, um, I want to learn, I want to learn from them. I want to like, like, I want to learn from the guys who've done these these corked flips and these in these crazy spins and see kind of what knowledge I can pick up and where we can where we can go. That, that's what I was gonna ask. Do you snowboard at all, or have you played with those guys? It's... I mean, I I love snowboarding. I, I really do, but it hurts. Uh-huh. I don't know how to fall quite the same as I do on a skateboard. Um, in my eye, it doesn't fit my eye. Like I, like I, I see a 50 foot jump and I can do it. I see a 28 foot quarter pipe and I can go 22 feet on it, Yeah. but I just can't on a snowboard. Um, because I don't know how to fall. So if I mess up, my instincts are all off Uh and I get super fucked up. So I have to not snowboard because I can't put in the time 
to learn how to fall. If I spent a a year on the mountain, I could probably start ripping. I could probably do these, you know, do tricks, 540s and and rails and these things that like I know I can do. Um, And I might even learn how to start flipping Uh if, if I did that. But I just can't see myself investing that that sort of time. Yeah. Yeah, it's where we live. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> it's rough. So, dude, what's going on? It seems like all the skaters are living in Vista these days. It's like this is like skate mecca. Vista's here. sick for so many reasons. Yeah. Um, obviously, the more towards the coast and towards Encinitas you can get, the the better. Okay. Like for just for like convenience reasons and and kind of like scenery. Yeah. Um. But we, we, all the vert skaters are out Vista, Oceanside, San Marcos, um, just cause it's, it, there's so many ramps, so many skate parks. Um, once that ball started rolling, the more vert skaters that are there, the more that come, the more, the more that, you know, it's, it starts yeah. to build. Yeah. Um, and, and really what it comes down to is, is there's a, Elliot Sloan's vert ramp, Tony Hawk's vert ramp, Mancha's vert ramp, and these uh, Vista Park, and 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 it's close to to Alga and in Carlsbad, and there's there's other skate park in Oceanside, and um, part of the reason I mean I like living out here is there there's a wind tunnel, yeah. ten minutes from here from my house <laughs> I can get to I can get to the tunnel within ten minutes, which is very special special thing. So the fact I can be at a two different vert ramps within uh, five or, or 15 minutes, a wind tunnel in 10 minutes and a drop zone in 20, um, Mm -hmm. and a climbing gym in 15 as well. Um, it's, it's really hard to prefer, uh, somewhere else. Yeah. I've got the location for sure. I got the location. And if I can, uh, just keep that ball rolling long enough to, uh, to turn, turn them into something, (laughs) it's, uh, I'm, I'm happy with it. How's Elliot's new ramp? I, I saw he did the he, go in both directions or something. He resurfaced his vert ramp. Okay. And there's something so satisfying about the color and the feel. It just feels like what you picture, what I picture a vert ramp as. When you, when you take off and the, the sound your tail makes and the, and the, the actual the grippiness of the ramp. For, for when your wheels touch it and the, the sound when you're riding over it, it's like it allows for tricks to be made. And it feels so it hits that like nostalgia spot, like growing up watching these these videos of Danny Way, Colin McKay, Bob Brinquist, Bucky Lassick. It hits that spot. That's like these are the this is what I pictured that those ramps as. OK. Um, and then he's got a little mini mega um and then yeah he's building an extension on it to kind of try to to try to progress it um i'm not sure how much he wants me to say oh i I know he wants to release the the footage publicly on on his but yeah i know he's uh he's working on really really adding to it that's that's it's gonna be sweet yeah i've been hanging with elliot and he was kind of telling me about what was going on that's why i wanted to get your feedback yeah i mean i'm excited i think it's gonna be a lot of fun and i think uh it's gonna open the door for for a lot of a lot of cool events ah cool yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh at his house i mean at his house yeah Yeah. and 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 as far as uh like the 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 jams and the the filming sessions and the in yeah. the backyard events and and just all the little 
things we can start adding on to the ramp and, and changing and maneuvering, uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's cool. Um, I, I think it's neat to have so many, uh, athletes to have so many high quality, you know, high caliber people in one area, you know, just a it's it's really amazing like i feel so much that way about skateboarding and i feel so much that way about the the tunnel flyers around here and i mean i think people like you also are like as uh the outliers come in with this huge skill set in something completely different i mean we're not surrounded by pilots no um and and not to say that you're only a pilot um it's been nice to learn so much about the other the other skills that you have that kind of open that door yeah. that use that same you know it's just john you <laughs> know it is. and yeah. and it and it feels like that in uh in with the skaters so much history so many skills with the tunnel flyers some of the best in the world um it's kind of a a hidden little area that it's uh it's really nice over here how often do you get up in the tunnel are you getting out there daily yeah no not not daily anymore i had a i had a cool thing going with with iFly for a while and i got to fly so much yeah. and i got to train so much um but right now i've been going once uh once a week okay you know staying active with it yeah, yeah staying staying active with it i've spent a lot of time there um in my in my life for sure that last yeah. year i spent so much time there um just soaking it in just trying to get 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 those those proper feelings there's there's a certain plateau in every sport that the dedication it takes to get through that that plateau is uh is is not easy yeah you know there's a lot of time and it comes with every sport you do yeah um and i think the first two years the first three years um that consistent work ethic that grind to set like a proper foundation is gonna that's enough you can enjoy the sport but to get through that plateau, to get to that, to get through that next level was, was really where I was at in tunnel flying. Um, and I feel like I put in a lot of work where I kind of, I kind of relaxed into the sport a lot better. It, it uh, shows. Yeah. yeah. No, it's no. As, as we jump, go back to that jump with Joe and Bob. I, I mean, to see you guys head down, you know, yeah. carving around each other. I mean, it did, it looked so comfortable, so yeah. natural. And just to know, body. and to know what you're doing, what you're, you know, wh- how fast you're going, how to, how to control, um, what level you should be on, how fast you actually want to be turning. Uh, you can get away with a lot without knowing what's going on. But once you start really knowing, it kind of gets harder to control for a little bit because yeah. you, Oh, the pitch and the angle and the speed and where are we and how fast and which way's north and it gets so much. But then once it kind of sets in, it's like it just feels like you're you're sitting in a chair having a conversation <laughs> with someone. And it's funny to watch other people start to go. Like you're flying with someone and you start going a little too fast, or you start start carving a little too fast, or you throw a move that you know you that you start to lose them. Oh, you, they yeah. start to be like get overwhelmed you're like dude we're okay <laughs> we're all good just just take that shoulder and come on bring it to me you know yeah. you're doing great <laughs> so it's it's hilarious to to be in that position where you start to feel start to feel comfortable so when you guys are head down carving like that how fast do you think you're falling uh bob and i weren't going that fast okay um we we Set a slow pace because so Joe could focus on getting his shots. Uh-huh. Um, so the clip was longer. Yeah. Um, Joe was wearing uh, 
the wings. Uh-huh. So he was not focused on speed. If we went super fast, it would have just been harder for him to to get what he needed. Yeah. Um. So I just told told Bob to get out and and relax. Um. And we just kind of we were we were pretty flat. You can't tell from the from the actual video because it's looking up at the sky, but. We were we were probably at, at like this angle. Really? So, okay. So, I was picturing more of a ninety than a forty-five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, the the ninety degrees, um, we would just be hauling ass. We'd yeah. be going two twenty, you know, two thirty by the end. Uh-huh. And, you know, you accelerate for about thirty seconds before you're really at at speed. Yeah. It feels like, um, but. Yeah, these like this flatter this flatter angle made it really easy for us to get these cool these cool shapes of like carving around each other and and kind of like getting this smoke to intersect in different ways yeah. and um super relaxed, super super easy. Um <laughs> super easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but really yeah. Yeah. it's when you're in it, the the I mean it's just a little windy. It, it really it wasn't uh the the craziness comes from the production and the situation and the smoke and the red camera and the helicopter and being over a a rural area you know the actual feeling the wind on your body and going in a circle is probably the easiest part once you've you know been in the sport for, for about 5 years i've probably 175 tunnel hours oh wow with uh this is a sport that's counted in seconds and minutes yeah <laughs> yeah in uh, 900 plus that skydives um so the 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 air starts to feel different uh-huh. once you spend once you spend a couple hundred hours in it um floating around you know you've been upside down for i mean you've been upside down for 100 hours it's it's not like anything uh, quite new like you feel like when you're going slow it's like oh we're going like we're going slow you have that you have that range to actually to go faster and even when you're going fast you're like wow there's a lot of power here like this is cool you know it's it's it, it becomes less of uh, aesthetically overwhelming and more of just like uh, having the knowledge of what's going on and more natural you know yeah it just becomes natural you start messing with it you start to yeah it's uh it's it's an interesting uh world to start to to understand that's cool how uh how overwhelming it is in the beginning to how much you can relax uh after a couple years is is a very cool journey to go on i'm sure Uh, yeah as you said i'm deficient uh you know well, a thousand jumps or something well let's well let's, <laughs> well let's hop in the tunnel and uh we'll get you uh doing doing layouts and carving around and flying on your feet i think uh you, you know who really loves tunnel flying uh kirby kirby chambliss oh oh yeah yeah he he really loves uh tunnel flying and uh him and his family go to the i fly and oh, i didn't know that yeah and it's uh it's uh, i mean i'm I'm not sure you guys have crossed paths but i'm sure you know his work no i do know his work we haven't mm-hmm. yeah we haven't crossed paths yet. and he's great he's great to talk to uh he really talks about uh flying from that same sort of um deep like knowledge and connection where you just kind of let it go you uh-huh. just like let the you're not gonna fly the plane if you try it, it's flying itself and uh yeah it's it's very cool i think you guys would uh would get along great and Whatever you need with with iFly, you want to go 
um, hop in there and, and fly around. I'd love to, I'd love to go, uh, I took my uh, five-year-olds out there uh, for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and I mean they, they were overwhelmed with it. But it's loud. But they really enjoyed it. You know, it, it was fun to to see that experience. You know, to, to you know view it through a different lens, as we were talking about. But yeah, no, it's it's rad to start exposing them to bigger picture. You yeah, know? it's a, a different idea, and then and then it's funny here. I'm I'm showing videos or pictures to my wife and her mom. And her mother's 70 something years old and she goes, I want to go. Yes. I want to go do that. She could. You, <laughs> you can know? be 103. <laughs> oh, is that? Yeah. yeah. 103 cutoff. Here we go. Man, imagine going, you're 103 and you want to go for your birthday. And they're like, you missed it. Yeah. You should have come last year. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you uh, wait this long? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it's neat. I love those uh, low impact sports. <laughs> oh, and and it is it is a low impact sport. You, I mean, the glass is hard, and you're gonna hit it, uh, especially if you start flying dynamic. But as far as the the amount of of risk you're you're taking is pretty low compared to the, you know, that fun to pain ratio is very well managed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, one of my first jumps, I um because of my size i had to buy my own rig mm-hmm. and uh and i'm i fly a big shoot and yeah i was like on a saber two 230 nice like and, you know and that thing was slippery and i the first time <laughs> i opened it it, it I, I didn't know anything about sniveling or all these other things that thing popped and i cracked a rib oh it was like my first jump under my new rig. Oh, and a saber too can can slap you. Like I've seen it before. Oh, dude, I yeah, it spanked me good. It was, and it slowed me down a little bit. But uh, you know, it's it's fun. You know, when you get used to your equipment and, mm-hmm. and you get comfortable. And gear yeah. fear is the worst, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, no gear That's, fear in skydiving. I was wearing a mouth guard for a while after. Yeah, that. I was just like the yeah. neck snap, the biting. But know, then, it, but then you get some good experiences, and you're like, okay, I yeah. see how people do this all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the tunnel, I think you'd really enjoy. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to help you with that if you ever, if you ever get curious, just shoot me a text. That's rad. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. Cool. It's, um, is there, is there anyone you'd like to say hi to anything you'd like to shout out, um, before, uh, we, uh, say goodbye, dude, I'm, I'm new to this whole thing. You know, I'm, I'm not a big podcaster, so I don't really have any shout outs, you know, love to the family, uh, all the friends out there. Um, you know, perfect. Yeah, and, uh, and let's go fly sometime. Looking Helicopters and tunnels. All the above. Yeah. <laughs> Word. Well, thank you for coming. Thanks for uh, telling me about your life and, uh, it's great talking to you. Awesome. Mitchie. Thank you. See you. As you can tell, I didn't lie in the intro. John is a, a wonderful human being. I look forward to seeing what next adventure John goes on. I know I'll be keeping up to date with uh, everything he's got going on. I'll continue to uh, to learn from this man. I know he, he carries a lot of knowledge of, of business, of real estate, of flying, of life, and of being a, an all-around good human being. So thank you for listening. I'll catch you next week on Brusco Talk Shop. Astronauts report it feels good. T minus 25 seconds.